Welcome to the Grace for This City podcast. We're helping you turn your cities upside down. Hey, I'm your host, Justin Goff. Stay tuned. We got a great show for you today. Good morning, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to the Grace for This City podcast. If you're watching us live, thank you so much. If you're tuning in later into the archives, thank you for joining us today. I think we uh, have a great episode planned for you, and we are in 2023. Is this the first one of the year? Let me look. I didn't look. I think it is. Yes. Very first podcast of the year. This is something special. Praise the Lord. So thank you for joining us in this adventure. We invite you to participate. Uh, We produce something every week and then uh, a few bonus, um, you know, episodes thrown in here and there. But uh, we're so thankful to have you on board. Hey, would you pray for us this year? I'm telling you, that makes tremendous power available, according to James chapter 5, verse 16. And that's what we need. So this podcast gets to the right people at the right time wherever they are in the world. So uh, again, we just invite you to join with us in this great adventure for 2023. Now let's jump back into this. I want to pick up on a thought that I actually had last year, our last episode, episode 142, and we were talking about the drift or the creeping. And uh, we were talking about personally monitoring our own commitment to staying with the word. Now, listen, let me say this up front. You and I don't understand everything, but I'm telling you, everything we need to understand is in the word. And in that sense, revelation, my and yours, okay, mine and yours, our revelation is progressive because as we walk in the light that we have, more light will be added to us. We find that in Mark chapter four, that we're to be, Uh, aware of what we're hearing because what we're giving ear to is either going to add to us, we're talking about the light of the word, or it's going to take away even the little that we do have. And so we want to be really watchful on uh, are we staying? We want to observe. We want to make sure that we are trusting the scriptures as a baseline, as a foundation, as a starting place, and as an arbiter that will help us discern and to navigate that which is false. And um, that's very important, friends, because what I'm hearing, um, you know, what seems to be uh, trending right now, okay, now trends come and go. So we're not moved by trends. And I think I mentioned this uh, last week is, you know, hey, if some some new idea comes along, okay, fine. Hey, uh, let's hear it out. But then we're going to take it back to the Word. And there may not be chapter and verse for absolutely everything, but in the Word, okay, there will be a principle. There will be a, a, um, a story. There will be a passage. Uh, Holy Spirit can even illuminate a partic- particular thing in the Word that will help you make a decision on whether this new idea, this new doctrine, this whatever is truth or if it's error. And so we use the word. There is an agency, a supernatural agency in the word, friends. This this here, now if you're not watching me, you can't see, but I have my Bible 
in my hands. And this, this compilation of scriptures is miraculous in and of itself that we have it. Men and women gave their lives to get this printed for us. But what I'm saying is this word right here will be illuminated. Holy Spirit's working with this right here. As you read this ink on paper, Holy Spirit is doing something because this is a uh, historical record of uh, God's dealings with man. And um, nothing he says, we found this out in 1 John 5, nothing the Spirit says is going to contradict the Word, nothing the Word has for us is going to contradict the Spirit. And that's just how the Lord has set this thing up. Listen, there are some parameters here to keep all of us safe. The Lord knows that. You and I know that. So we're going to honor those parameters by judging all new things, judging prophecy, you know, judging declarations, judging new doctrines. We judge it based on the foundation of the Word. So last week we dealt with, like, uh, my and your responsibility um, to do the real effort of discerning what we're hearing. You know, there's a lot of stuff being uh, thrown at us, a lot of stuff being marketed. I wasn't trying to be negative. I'm not trying to be negative. I'm just trying to be real that you and I have to be aware that there's a lot being presented to us. And sometimes the mechanism or the machine or the industry of it doesn't do all the filtering or the processing for us. That's the bulk of that responsibility is on you and I. And listen, you would not be behind schedule. You, you don't fear that you're going to miss what God's doing, that, you know, if you don't listen to every, you know, quote-unquote prophet or whatever, that you're, that you're somehow missing God. Listen, if you have a relationship with Jesus, you have a relationship with the Holy Spirit, and you're sticking with the Word, listen, friends, you're, you're going to be right on time every time. Don't buy into the hype that if you don't have somebody's latest, greatest prophetic word that you're not going to know what God is doing. That's just not, that's just simply not true. That's some of the exaggeration out of the industry. And, uh, but you will know exactly what God has for you because you have his word. Uh, we're told to not be foolish, but know what the will of the Lord is. And people say, well, how, how am I going to know that? How am I going to know God's will? Well, listen, friends, uh, you can pray in the Holy Ghost. You can build yourself up on your most holy faith, praying in the Spirit. Several scriptures, several passages uh, admonish us uh, to know what God's will is. And I'm telling you, you have everything uh, you need. Hold on. But no, you have everything you need to determine what God's will is. Okay, that's where I thought it was. Now, let me read this passage to you here. If you got your Bibles, or, you know, you can pull it up on, uh, on your phone or pull it up on, on your Bible. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 5. Hello, I'm all over. I'm fumbling all over my Bible here. Let's see. We're going to get it. Thank you, Lord. All right, look at this here. Uh, Ephesians chapter 5. Where is it at? Yeah. There it is. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but wise. Verse 16, redeeming the time because the days are evil. And the days are evil. The Bible tells us that gross darkness is going to be covering the earth. And then 2 Timothy chapter 3 says that evil men and seducers, charlatans, uh, tricksters, literally 
the outworking of demonic activity is going to increase. Uh, it's on the rise. They're, 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 the number of men and women that are seducing and tricking and deceiving is increasing because they're being seduced. Uh, but that's on the rise. The days are evil, friends, but that's okay. I mean, we're not depressed about that. If you are born again and you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you are the new creation in Christ Jesus that the Bible talks about, behold, all things have, have become new. That old you, that old nature's dead, done away with. Your spirit's been born again. You have Zoe life on the inside of you. You're a child of the light. You're a, you're a, a child of God. Okay. Then listen, your future's bright. The path of the righteous gets brighter and brighter. Um, this is why proper eschatology and rightly dividing the scriptures gives hope. Hallelujah. Listen, we don't have to come up with some new doctrine in order to inspire hope. The Bible already talks about the future and the judgments concerning the third new person that is mentioned in the Bibles, and that's the born-again believer, the bride of Christ, the body of Christ, and the temple of Almighty God. Listen, our future is tremendous, friends. When, when we navigate passages like gross darkness is going to fill up the earth, don't worry about that. You're born again. The judgments that are associated with those that are working with that gross darkness are not your judgments. Okay, the, Their future is not your future. In fact, we have a prophetic scripture in Jeremiah uh, that we can apply. You know, It was expressively written to the uh, Jews, but... We can apply it because it, it, it reveals God's character. <clears throat> it reveals how he thinks. And there, there is a covenant that we have. And uh, he says this. He says, I know the plans that I have towards you. Thoughts of good, not of evil. To what? Give you a future. Listen, friends, our future is glorious. If, if you're born again, you and I are going to navigate some crazy stuff. We're navigating crazy stuff now. Listen, there is some cr- absolute insanity going on in our world. It's okay. It's whatever. Now, we're still on point. We're still on mission. Our message is a message of reconciliation. Uh, Our message is the one of the price that Jesus paid as a substitute. You don't have to go to hell. You can be rescued. You can be delivered. That message, we don't back up off of that. In fact, we need to gear up. Uh, We need to do whatever we need to do to be out there in full force, enthusiastic, moved with compassion, totally um, uh, expecting that people will receive the truth. But you have to understand, John 3, he said they're condemned already, friends. What's being offered to them is an escape from judgment, all right? So we're st- still out there. But I'm saying anybody who rejects Jesus Christ— He's the stumbling block. You understand? He's the only way. He's the narrow way. It's not difficult, friends. Listen, there, there's some out here in the world. They're moaning and groaning. They're bemoaning the message of the church. They're saying we're intolerant, bigots, whatever. Listen, that is a, a, I mean, if you see it for what it is, that is a strategy to shut you up, friends. They are rejecting Jesus Christ and the truth that he came to reveal. And the truth has been in the earth for a long time. It was hidden in the law before and then expressed through Jesus Christ. Um, you know, uh, he says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. 
All right. <clears throat> Jesus is that narrow way. He is that stumbling block that you and I are presenting out here. If the world rejects him, this is what I'm trying to say. If the world rejects him, he said, he told his disciples, if you go to a place and they don't receive you, just shake the dust off and go on to the next places. Listen, there are futures and judgments associated with people that reject Jesus Christ. There are futures and judgments that uh, concern those that have accepted Jesus Christ and are born again. Don't read yourself into the judgments that are for those who rejected Christ. Don't read yourself into the futures of those um, that don't want anything to do with Jesus. Darkness is increasing, okay? Um, The very fact that uh, we can have these moments of light and moments of darkness in terms of what you and I are actually experiencing with the cycle of the sun and the moon, et cetera, is uh, somewhat of a revelation to us that light and darkness right now are coexisting, but the light's getting brighter, but the darkness is getting darker, friends. And uh, as the morning star is preparing to rise, uh, he's saying that there's time right now to still work. What's happening? We are bringing the light, the glorious light of truth. We're bringing it into dark places. But that's not to say that darkness is getting lighter. Uh, Darkness is getting darker, but the light is getting brighter as we're coming into the end of days where all things will be fulfilled. Everything that's been prophesied, this seven-day work week that the Bible gets, this 7,000-year period is coming. uh, All those plans are coming to fruition. And I'm telling you, the reason why the light's getting brighter is because he himself, the light himself, the light of this new man himself is coming and is approaching. And that's why the light is getting brighter. Path of the righteous is getting brighter, but the path of the uh, unregenerate or the sinner is getting darker, friends. We're going to see this progress here. And uh, so uh, let's not be disappointed by that. Uh, That should not hinder the church's progress the more people that reject the truth, that's not hindering the church's trajectory. It's just the reality that more people are rejecting the truth. But don't believe the lie that the light isn't getting brighter. We are on a trajectory of brightness. But also don't believe the lie that things aren't getting darker either. I mean, you can just look out here and realize that the presence of the church in the earth today isn't automatically making darkness less dark, okay? There is a division. Jesus said, I came to bring division. And if you reject Jesus, guess what? You embrace darker darkness, if I could say it like that. There's probably a better way of saying that, but I think you understand. If you reject reject the light of the truth, friends, then you will find yourself in gross darkness, Okay. So there's a deliverance out of darkness. The darkness is not getting lighter. It's not getting cleaned up. It's not getting washed. Darkness, evil, is evil. And there is a judgment already associated with evil. It's not getting better. Evil's not getting better. But I'm telling you, the church is advancing. And 
we know prophetically from Scripture that, um, you know, if you look at the, you know, uh, I mean, pick one. I mean, any of the Old, the Old Testament writings of the prophets, Revelation, uh, we see futures and judgments being played out. God has given people the opportunity. I believe everybody has an opportunity at some point uh, to either accept or reject uh, before they leave this earth. And, uh, you know, uh, you and I, uh, we're compassionate about those happenings, those matters as we should be. But I'm, but I'm telling you, friends, uh, there, is, uh, there are ways that Jesus has revealed himself uh, to people. And trust me, everybody will have an opportunity to accept or reject. And, uh, but there, it seems like there are clever ways that people are skirting this issue and they are, uh, creating these pathways sometimes where our sympathy is unnecessary. Now don't misunderstand me. We should be empathetic, compassionate, etc. But I'm saying that the world is playing in its filth and then trying to get the church to feel sorry for it when they know full well what they've done. The Bible tells us that many people know exactly what they've done. In fact, Jesus said that in this particular place that the judgment would be worse for them than it was for Sodom and Gomorrah because he was there demonstrating himself. People had opportunity to come and see and to partake and to receive and to believe and they chose to reject. Listen, you and I know full well that uh, there's a lot of people playing dumb, but that's foolish to play dumb, okay? It's, it, it's, it's not smart to play dumb, friends. And Jesus is bringing division. He is the division. You must choose Jesus and then totally rend your life to him. You can't play both sides of the fence. You can't have one foot in him and one foot in the world. You cannot be friends with the world and friends with him. Uh, the Bible's clear on these things. Okay. So you and I, what I'm admonishing here is to watch this drift. Listen, it's, there are cunningly devised fables, the spirit of antichrist, lowercase a antichrist, the antichrist has not come. There were, uh, types of antichrist, but that spirit has been in the world. See, and, um, but the Antichrist, he didn't, he, the Antichrist that the Bible uh, speaks about in the New, New Testament, in the writings to the church, in the letters, which is to the ecclesia, the born again believer, those that are Christ's inheritance out of all the nations, that's the ecclesia. Um, in the letters to the new creation in Christ Jesus, we see information about an antichrist. Now, there have been types of antichrist. The Bible says that there are lowercase a, a antichrists that have come and gone at various times. There, that spirit is in the world. There are operatives, antichrist operatives, people that have yielded to that antichrist type of strategy and opposition, resistance, etc. And uh, But the Bible says this man of lawlessness, which we know as the, you know, capital A, and Antichrist is future. Now, back in AD 70, say, there were Antichrist types, just like there have been throughout history as well, uh, different men and women. But the Bible gives us very clear instructions about this unique person 
that will rally the world, in particular Israel. There will be some sort of uh, agreement that the Antichrist has with Israel. That we haven't uh, seen that in past times. There's other other things as well. That's beyond the point of what I want to talk about today. But we must be aware. We must be aware about the uh, fulfilling of prophecy coming to the end of time. Listen, you and I should be motivated. Uh, you know, the imminent return of Jesus uh, should not create passivity. It should stir hustle. Because, listen, people's futures are on the line here. This period of time that we understand as like the uh, dispensation of grace, okay? Uh, some people call it the church age. Uh, some people call it the dispensation of grace. But the salvation right now is based upon faith, friends, not of works, lest any man should boast. The invitation is to become the bride of Christ, to be one of those members in his body, which will rule and reign in him, with him, okay, uh, who has a place before the Father for all eternity. Oh, friends, you do not want to miss this opportunity. Just simply call upon the name of the Lord, and you will be born again. That's our message right now. And uh, there is some imminency associated with that. There is some hustle that should be associated with that. Uh, there should not be a passivity. We should be declaring this truth about Jesus, our Messiah and Savior. Hallelujah. Let me see. I'm trying to see where I jumped off here. Um, <clears throat> but we, we want to be aware that we're not drifting here because of all these cleverly devised fables, all these false teachings. You know, listen, the reason why there's distractions is because we're on a countdown, okay? Time, time, time. What is time? Time is used very specifically, and there's a countdown. The Bible gives us this window, okay, gives us this time period, and as, as, the, as the clock ticks down, Jesus and the Father, they are not going to miss their appointments, and there are uh, uh, appointments. There are these, uh, the Hebrew word is moeds. They are appointed times. And I'm telling you, God is not missing his appointments. His schedule is going to function right on time. And as time counts down, friend, listen, we have, if we're playing around, um, if, if we're not doing our due diligence, if we're not inquiring of him, if we're not staying right in the middle of his plan, if we're not checking ourselves, if we're not keeping ourselves pure uh, from the world, if we're not dying to self, if we're not living for him. Listen, friends, we don't have an infinite amount of time to play around with, with this. And uh, he's coming again, and he's going to uh, uh, deal justly with his servants. He's going to deal justly with the nations. He's going to deal justly with the Jews. He's going to do exactly as he revealed in the word to all peoples on the earth. Again, this is why Jesus is kind of like that. He's that, he's that source of division. He's that point of contention. He's the stumbling block for so, for so many. He's the plan. And if we reject him, 
then we locate ourselves in one of these other people groups that there are futures and judgments for. Hallelujah. Right now, you want to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. So he says, don't be unwise, Ephesians 5, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, right here is some strategy, friends. If you're not sure what God's will is, um, you can begin to pray in the Holy Ghost. You can begin to set yourself in agreement. You can get some uh, faith buddies and say, hey, agree with me that I will have revelation of what I'm supposed to do, that I'm not going to be out here just tossed to and fro by every wind of whatever. You know, every, every wind of prophecy, every wind of doctrine, every wind of whatever. Uh, the fivefold gifts, their primary objective is to get you grounded in him and in the word. They feed us the word that we may grow thereby. They, they take these scriptures and they minister the revelation of Christ to us that they've been entrusted with, and we grow thereby. And then the sign of spiritual maturity is that then you can be led of the Lord and of the Spirit yourself. Um, you can get into the word and Holy Spirit, can take this word and reveal to you what you need to be doing. So I want to encourage you to spend 2023, get right in the middle. And it doesn't have to be some big flashy thing. I think that gets most people off right there. Selfish ambition is one of the greatest deceivers I think we, we wrestle with outside of the devil himself. Uh, we have, we're so ambitious for these whatever. I don't know, fame, fortune. This is what we were saying two weeks ago uh, when we were talking about false prophets, false teachers, false whatever. And we said this, Lord, what is, you know, if we could boil it down, what's, what's the initial like lure? What's the bait that gets all these people off in the false whatever? Well, first John talks about it, the love of the world and the stuff in it. Fame, fortune, recognition, big ministry, big platform, a big mailing list, uh, you know, uh, 50,000 TikTok followers, you know, 40,000, 100,000, a million Instagram followers, you know, Facebook likes, posts, shares. It's the love of the world and our ambition to those things that we start to compromise. Our love walk gets compromised. We don't treat people in kindness because we're trying to build them. You know, you know what I'm saying? What got these people off into error? Well, they got high-minded. They started to believe uh, more highly of themselves than they ought. They started to entertain more than double honor. Listen, anything, you know, whether you have a pastor, uh, you know, you, whoever your pastor is, any apostolic figures, any prophetic figures, any evangelists, any teachers, even if they're at the top of their game, you know what the Bible says? Worthy of double honor. Anything over double honor, friends, is creeping very fast over into idolatry. And, but men and women, the temptation would be to draw praise into ourselves. In fact, look at this in Acts chapter 20. Uh, go ahead and get your Bibles. Acts 20, look at verse 28 while you're turning there. Again, we ask this question, like, what is the, if we could just boil it down, what's the bait? What's the lure? What's, what's the common temptation 
that has drawn all these men and women throughout history over into error of some sort. And maybe we could categorize, you know, uh, you know, major heresies versus just uh, carnal, uh, carnal drifting. <clears throat> Paul said, I couldn't speak to you as spiritual because you're too carnal. To me, that's would be, you wouldn't want to stay in that place, right? That you would get into error. If, if you can't hear spiritual conversation anymore because of fleshly carnal indulgences, we could say that that's major creeping or drifting off into error. I mean, the Bible says, purify yourselves. Come out from among them and be separate. If you stay in uh, indulging in fleshly carnal things, listen, you're going to creep off into error. But we're not equating that necessarily with just what you and I would know as a, uh, uh, somebody who is pushing or uh, propelling or promoting just straight-up heresy. But um, Romans tells us to be carnally minded is enmity with the Lord. So we're watching this creep, but what is, if you could boil it down, just get it down to the bare bones here. What is that lure? It's the love of the world and the stuff in it. You're in Acts 20, look at this. He says, 28, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. I'm going to pause there. Listen, it's a fearful thing. I lead a ministry, and there's several passages in the scripture that already outlines my future. Like, if you think you are, uh, or you are one, okay, and you embrace that responsibility, the Bible tells you how you're going to be held accountable for the kind of influence that you had in the, uh, you know, he uses metaphor here, the sheep, or in the flock. Listen, he shed his blood for those folks, and he's put you in as an overseer. You know, in Jeremiah, he said that he was going to call his people back and he would put them, uh, draw them back into folds and place responsible shepherds over them, one translation says. Listen, that should be a fearful thing uh, to even say, hey, I would like to help you in this area. Like there should be some fear and trepidation associated with leading God's people. Uh, in James, we're told about the kind of uh, accountability we're going to be held to if we claim to be a teacher, you know, if we set ourselves up uh, saying that we're graced, called, anointed, appointed, whatever, whether we're faking it or it's legit, if we stand in a place where we're administrating those scriptures uh, along with illuminated uh, revelation by Holy Ghost, and we're administrating that to people, listen, our future has already been expressed to us. And if you misappropriate that role, it's not going to be, it's, it, it's not going to be, uh, 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 very friendly. He's already expressed that. He has already expressed that. In fact, in Peter, in Second Peter, and in Jude, anywhere, really, I mean, he talks about the uh, rebellion of Korah. He talks about the error of Balaam. Th these are people who wanted to be in a position of leadership as it concerns God's people, but got off, and dude, it is not kind. I mean, Second Peter talks about these people, Jude even, their condemnation is already marked. There's no escaping it. You step into a place of leadership among God's flock, and you willingly invite. Now, you might be ignorant of it, but I'm telling you, you profess to be some sort of leader. Uh, you know, I'm not even saying within maybe categorically like one of the offices, but you say, oh, I'm a leader. I'm a, I'm a leader. I'm a leader. I'm a leader of God's people. 
you invite, whether you understand it or not, you invite the judgment that's associated with that and the scale by which, uh, the process by which you will be judged for taking on that role. There should be a little more fear of the Lord associated with people who stand up saying, I'm, I'm a spokesperson for the Lord. You know, I'm a leader. I'm a pastor. You know, I'm an apostle, a prophet. I'm an evangelist. Like we throw those terms around so willy-nilly, but when you say I'm that thing, then you, you invite uh, inspection. If you say I'm a leader, you invite the biblically prescribed inspection of the fruit of that position. And you also invite the judgments, judgment, the judging process associated with determining whether or not you're real or fake. And I'm telling you, the end of that, if you're fake, is not pretty. It is not kind. It is some people would scream, that's not loving. That's not loving. I'm telling you, he does not, Jesus, the head of the church, does not appreciate fakers. It should be uh, addressed and entered into with a little more fear than what it seems like we're seeing out here right now. People are so willy-nilly. I mean, everybody's an apostle. Everybody's a prophet. Everybody's an evangelist. Everybody's a teacher. Everybody's a pastor. Well, we know, no, not everybody is. The Bible makes that clear. But I'm saying, why would somebody put themselves up, prop themselves up and say, I am, uh, you know, whatever on behalf of the Lord. Well, what are you seeking to gain? They think there's gain from that. And that's why they would risk faking it or, you know, being a poser because of what the supposed gains are. I'm telling you, friend, if you're fake, you may deceive a few for a while, but I'm telling you, you're inviting on yourself very strict judgment. Hallelujah. I mean, it's just going to happen. Watch them fall. I mean, watch them fall. Um, Let me add this here while I'm thinking about this. You know, I have to think about this often, man. Oh, my goodness. Like, I just willingly, you know, invited judgment on myself because I profess to be called into one of the fivefold offices. Listen, you don't want to play with that. You don't want to play around with that, friends. Oh, Jesus, help us. Look at this. So, this isn't even dealing with these leaders in the body of Christ. This is just dealing with you and I um, as individuals. Uh, this would be this would apply to anybody, any member of just the body of Christ. We're not talking about maybe divisions of leadership. We're just talking about any member of the body of Christ. This is First Corinthians chapter eleven, and he says, therefore, verse twenty-seven: Whoever eats this bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. Now, let me give you a little bit here. What this is dealing with is people that are not recognizing the law and the command of love given to each and every member, individual member, in the body of Christ. These, uh, and those members would be the born-again believer in Christ Jesus. The Bible calls them the ecclesia, 
They are the born-again, new creation Christ Jesus, bride, body, building. Okay. Uh, So he's saying anybody who doesn't recognize the command, I mean, it's not just a suggestion, friends. It's a command, the command of love. Uh, You know, you can go into Galatians, look at fruits of the Spirit versus fruits of the flesh. All right. And so he's saying here, anybody that treats each other with contempt or with divisions or doesn't operate in the law of love as it concerns our uh, dealings and particularly with individual members of the body of Christ, he's saying when you do that, you receive the blood in the body in an unworthy manner. And if you continue to do that and you do it in an unworthy manner, meaning you're not judging yourself concerning how you're reacting, interacting, associating, fellowshipping among the body of Christ Jesus, notice what he says here. You drink judgment on yourself. Listen, ahead of time, you knew the law. Okay. You knew the command of love, whether you fully understood it or you weren't paying attention during class time. Nonetheless, you'll be held to the law of love. And he says, if you violate that love command, and yet drink of the blood uh, of the um, uh, blood and eat of the body, uh, the representative elements of that. Then you are drinking the judgment or the accountability of what that represents, whether you know it or you don't know it. And he's saying right here, for this reason, many among you are weak, sick and die prematurely. <laughs> oh, I mean, hello. Is anybody hearing what is being said here, what the Bible's telling us? Now, this isn't even leaders. Like, this isn't even fivefold ministers. This is just any and every individual born-again believer in the body of Christ. And if they don't recognize the standard under which they've been called, now, he said in Romans, he poured that love out in our hearts. So, I mean, he's helping us. But if, but, but if you choose to not walk according to the command that he gave us, he said his burden was light and easy. It's not like this is difficult. It's just it, it, it's difficult on the flesh. But, I mean, he boiled it down to one law. And he says, but, it, but, but if you treat that just so flippantly among yourselves and then you come in here in communion and you're receiving of the body of Christ Jesus, but you have all these issues with your brothers, he said, you drink judgment on yourselves. And he said, because of that very thing right there, many, many, I don't know how many, but many have already drunk that judgment on themselves. And there's sickness, there's disease. Jesus ain't putting it on you. But because you don't judge yourself in these matters, you open the door for the enemy to come in and and destroy you. And some have died prematurely. Doesn't mean they weren't saved. I believe they were saved, but their life was cut short. Their life was cut short. Now, if that's at that level, friends, what judgment do you think awaits those who have been uh, called or appointed uh, and have accepted the calling of leadership among the body of Christ? What judgment awaits them? Listen, they're drinking in effect drinking, we are drinking our own judgment, whether we fully understand it or not. So this is why we would talk about things like this, because there is an appropriate fear of the Lord. You know, one of the seven spirits of counsel, uh, uh, one of the seven revelations of Holy Spirit 
is the spirit of the fear of the Lord. Wisdom begins with the fear of the Lord. Everything, let me say it like this, everything starts with the fear of the Lord. And we have become too familiar with a God we really don't understand. I, I, I mean, be watchful, friends. Be cautious of the drift. He has clear, clear, excuse me, clearly expressed in his word futures and judgments. But he said, hey, look, I'm, I'm going to help you. My spirit is going to empower you. I'm going to give you my spirit. I'm going to put my spirit in you. I'm going to write my judgments on the tablets of your heart. And then I'm going to pour out my love on the inside of you. And then I'm going to strengthen you. I'm going to strengthen your spirit with my spirit. And then I'm going to give you Holy Spirit to help you and to be your guide. Uh, and then I'm going to just clearly express what my expectations are. And uh, we have to watch this drift. So this is why we want to communicate occasionally. Now let's go back to Acts chapter 20. So he said, the Holy Spirit has caused, uh, called you to be an overseer here and to shepherd the church, which he purchased with his own blood. 29, for I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come uh, in. They will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Also from among yourselves, men will rise up. Now, notice this here. Speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after themselves. Now, outside of just major heresy, okay, I mean, outside of that, okay, and Maybe we could outline some of those things. All right. But outside of that, we need to be aware of men or women or ministries or whatever that are just trying to draw away sheep to themselves. That in of itself is something to be cautious about. These are wolves and they have agendas hidden agendas maybe, associated with these things. You need to know enough about uh, uh, how these, uh, and, it's, and it's a spirit of Antichrist. I mean, I'm not saying they're Antichrist. I think some good people get off, but that's what we're saying. How do they get off? They're a little too much about the stuff, or they're a little too much about fame, or they're a little too much about their thing. Or they're a little too much about, you know, their word. Or they're a little heavy-handed on their way. You know, it's just drawing men into themselves. But then they go into places that they don't belong. They maneuver themselves into areas they don't need to be. Uh, with what goal in mind? To draw somebody away to themselves. That right there uh, is a point of caution. You know, you could maybe look at their doctrine, say, and say, well, you know, you know, they, okay, one, two, three, A, B, C, okay, all that's correct. But they just prop themselves right in the middle of things God was doing, clearly evident that he was doing things here. What are they trying to do? Well, they're trying to one-up the other guy. Their way's better. How they do it's better, you know? And, and so we have to be watchful of these types of things. You and I don't need to drift or be lured away by people that have uh, a hidden agenda or some reason, you know, they're competing, comparing, saying their way's better. You know, I, I mean, they, we could get down to some real detailed conversations there. That's not the point uh, that I want to go to there. But 
Uh, but, uh, but in this passage, again, Paul said, he said in verse 33, notice what he said there. When I was with you, I never wanted or coveted anyone's money, their silver, their gold, their clothes. We could expound on that, their cultural influence. You know, I wasn't um, buddying up to somebody because they know somebody or they're wealthy or they had connections. You see what I'm saying? Paul said, look, my intention wasn't to get anything from you. My intention was to get Christ to you. And he made a very clear distinction here. Several times this is brought in. If you go through and you look at the passages that are dealing with false whatever, you'll notice associated with there, even when, like with the error of Balaam, right? What was uh, Balaam's error? He was going to prostitute the gift. He was going to pimp the gift out. He, he, had, uh, he had his eyes on money's increase, gain, influence, I don't know, whatever. These are markers of drifting. You and I don't need to drift. Listen, I think, you know, um, if we weren't going to just talk about leaders in the body of Christ, extremely high standards, friends, for leaders. Extremely high standards for leaders. That's why the Bible outlines qualifications for leaders. That's why the Bible says, lay uh, hands on no man suddenly, meaning don't don't put somebody in a place of authority too quick. I mean, they that may be their tra- trajectory. That may be something God's put in their heart. Uh, you know, God may even have called them to that. But uh, but because the standard and the accountability should be so high in those areas, don't shove somebody out there before their character can sustain them there. Hallelujah, somebody. Uh, this is part of all the crazy teaching and doctrines and things that we have going on now. In fact, uh, um, I was listening to this guy. Uh, he's the, uh, what's his name? Um, Cooper. He's the uh, lead singer of, of the Christian rock band Skillet. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he's, he, he, he uh, I, f- I forget the name of his podcast, but he has a, a podcast. He talks about some really neat things. Um, you know, I don't know if, you know, people that are in rock bands, you know, I guess maybe people didn't think they were very educated or, you know, as deeply rooted in the word as maybe this guy is, but, you know, he was saying part of the problem, uh, in the Christian music industry is that so many people have elevated these worship leaders or these bands, uh, they've elevated their message into such a high place that people are, in effect, they're drawing their doctrine from these songs, from these worship leaders, and these worship leaders don't even know the Bible. I mean, they're in the last 10 years, I mean, how many have defected, these worship leaders that have gone off into crazy things? Um, and, you know, people, you know, elevated their they elevated these guys, elevated their messages, and people followed right along with them right off into error. Um, you know, this is not the point in my podcast today, but that has to be monitored too. You, you need to watch what's coming into your eyes and your ears. You know, uh, I had a conversation with somebody just this last Sunday, and the Lord was dealing with them about, uh, you know, writing some songs that had some scripture in it. And we just kind of chuckled and laughed about how a vast majority of the songs that we sing in church today are really not very scriptural, meaning people are not learning 
the Bible from the songs anymore. They're not learning good doctrine from the songs anymore. There's just not that in the songs. And that's how a lot of people uh, retained the word. Remember, David said, I'll meditate on your word day and night. I'll hide it in my heart that I may not sing, uh, sin against you. And he talks about guarding our eyes and ears, you know, watching, not leaning on certain things. Well, you know, one way that good scripture was passed along was through song. We have the Psalms, actually. Many of them were sung. Um, these kind of uh, revelations uh, about what God has done, etc., were turned into song form. You know, doctrine was turned into song form. That's how people would um, have it. They would, they'd, they'd be reading it. They'd be singing it. They'd be meditating on it. Um, but, you know, we, we so many people elevated uh, elevate, they elevate this this person, that person. And, you know, if the motive is, is off in these whoevers and people start saying, oh, you're amazing, you're awesome, you're awesome, you're amazing, oh, you know, uh, this or that, uh, they can draw too much of that attention to themselves. They can start thinking more high than they ought to think and then drift. You may have started out well, but what about the drift? We have to watch this, friends. He says, men will draw the disciples after themselves. Therefore, watch and remember for three years, I didn't cease to warn you about these things. And then he said, again, I wasn't about the stuff, friends. I'm not about the stuff. In Romans 16, 17, he says, I appeal to you, brethren, be on your guard concerning those who create dissensions and difficulties and cause divisions in opposition to to the doctrine, the teaching which you have been taught. I warn you, turn aside from these folks. Avoid them. doesn't mean we make it our ministry to expose everybody, but I'm saying that there is a, a place of making sure you and I are not drifting off. We're examining, why am I being drawn over here? Why am I being lured over here? Why is my heart drifting over here? Why am I listening to these types of teachings or whatever. What is it substantiating in me? Can we be that introspective enough where we would even monitor our own ambition and we would be willing, you know, to have just a little bit of off, something off because it, 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 it works with my ambition or it wouldn't um, confront my selfish ambitions. <laughs> so I'm okay with a little bit this over here because, you know, they're telling me how awesome I am. Um, he says, for such persons... Do not serve the Lord Jesus Christ, but their own appetites and desires. And by uh, uh, flattering speech, they beguile the hearts of the uh, unsuspecting and of the simple-minded people. Verse 19, for while your loyalty and obedience is known to all so that I rejoice over you, I would have you well-versed and wise as to what is good innocent and guileless and to what is evil. Hallelujah. So while may, some may not be propagating just straight out heresy, and there's plenty of that. I mean, there's plenty of that. I mean, there's all kinds of that going on. People are having, like we talked about in the last several podcasts, people having all kinds of spiritual encounters. and They're coming out of these spiritual encounters with otherworldly wisdom. James 3 deals with that. There is a wisdom that's demonic. 
and it is a how-to things work to a degree. People are coming out of that, and they're a guru now. You, you know what I mean? I mean, it's obvious they've probably had, they have some sort of understanding that's, that's beyond just natural, natural, you know, it's otherworldly. And people are drawn to that. I mean, there's all kinds of those groups. I mean, thousands. I mean, if there's one, there's 10,000, you know. Um, but he was saying here, uh, beyond just straight up heresy, he said, what about those that are just drawing men to themselves? You know, there's something amiss. I mean, they have, you know, uh, a three-point message from the Bible, but there's something about them that's just a little bit dirty. They're drawing men. You know, they're a little too much on themselves, or they're a little too much about a thing or this or that. They're a little too over the top. They're drawing men to themselves. Maybe they're a little too heavy-handed about how they, you know, talk about themselves, lack humility, or, or, or in their message— is a regular uh, debasing of another in order to make themselves look good. Um, you know, so these are things that we need to be aware of. He said, beware, be watchful of these. that are just trying to draw you away to themselves to satiate their own appetite and desire, their own quest for big ministry or whatever. Um, but what would be the hook? Well, then they would try and uh, recruit you by telling you everything that you want to hear. you got to be aware of these kinds of things. Uh, they may use the same Bible that you and I have, but their motive in it is what we need to be aware of. Again, let me close with this because I think we're out of time. First John 2, do not love the world, friends. You say, how are we going to navigate this? Don't love the world. Love God more than anything. Uh, have a desire to honor him and obey him. Love the word. Stay with the word. Stick with the word. Um, evaluate yourself. Uh, we're in a series right now at church called Examine Yourself. We're, this last Sunday, we, we looked at what about our love walk? What about our love walk? Listen, if you don't check yourself on your love walk, using 1 Corinthians chapter 13 as a guide, it's too easy to get off chasing selfish ambition and, and um, you know just running over people in the process. We just check ourselves, friends. That's what we're going to do. We're going to monitor the drift. Don't drift. Don't creep off course. Stay right with him. Stay right with him. Don't love the world. Don't love the world. Listen, if you don't, you know, get to do certain things, you'll be okay. You know what I mean? If you don't have everything that you ever wanted, you'll be fine. Hallelujah. What gain would it be to gain the whole world and lose your soul in the process? What gain would it be? to uh, have every ambition that you have fulfilled and yet be off course. That would be no gain at all. Listen, we have precedent in the Bible. Jesus said it would be better you enter into heaven with one eye if your right eye caused you to sin. It would be better for you to get into heaven having only one arm because you had to cut off the other arm because the other arm kept leading you into sin or error. Listen, friends. It's not about having absolutely everything, doing absolutely everything, being known by everybody, having everybody clap for you, shout for you, fall down and worship the very you know, path that you walked on. It's not about that, friends. It's about him. And he is a rescuer. And I'm telling you, this world is very crafty. It's very cunning. It's very sly. There's a lot of deceit out here, friends. And so we just check ourselves with these basic things. Hallelujah. I hope you got something out of this today. 
because we'll be right back here next week with some more. Thank you for joining us, friends. Hey, share this with somebody that you love. Hallelujah. It's just a reminder. And, uh, you know, hey, I am not paranoid. I am not suspicious. But we have to deal with these passages of scriptures as well at some point. And uh, maybe at the head of the year is a good time to just go ahead and dive into these things. Let's see what they say. Let's see what the warning is. And let's honor the scriptures. Again, not being paranoid is suspicious of absolutely everybody. But we're just going to stick with the word, friends. And the word's going to help us out. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Hey, listen, if we can pray for you, we'd love to pray for you. You can call us 870-741-9099 and we'll pray with you. Let me pray for you now. Father, I thank you for those who are watching and are listening wherever you're at in the nations. We bless you in the name of Jesus. And our prayer is that the word would be illuminated unto you, that you would know Jesus in 2023 more than you ever have. You would be moved along and you would grow up in him strong, not moved by every wind of doctrine, but you would know him as your Lord and Savior. Oh, we give you praise. Thank you, Father, for helping us in Jesus' name. All right, friends, this has been the Grace for This City podcast. And until next time, be blessed.